This is the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast Show, hosted by Bo Finley and Brant Walker. Welcome back to another edition of the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast. Here, as always, Brant and Bo coming at you this week. We got a special guest. We're going to have a special uh, episode this week. We got a good buddy, our buddy Jason Urish, with us this week. Jason, say hello to the people. What's up, guys? Excited to talk football with you. Yeah. So today we're going to get into our uh, our three round uh, rookie draft. Now that the draft is over, we kind of know where things are. Uh, the three of us just completed our rookie draft in our dynasty leagues. We're going to get into that. Uh, but before we do, we're going to talk about some undrafted free agents. And even before we get into that, there's some massive trade rumors out there right now, right? So you got the Aaron Rodgers saying he's not going to play another snap in Green Bay. He wants out. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Where's the best landing spot? Should he stay? Should he go? What's What, what do you guys think? In my mind, I think Denver's the best landing spot. They already have the weapons there. And I just I think he'd fit in and, and really make uh, Sutton and um, Judy just uh, move up in, sure. in, in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Put them in competition for the AFC West instantly. Yeah, I, 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 that quarterback division, that'd be the gauntlet. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers goes either to the Vegas Raiders or the Denver Broncos, you're looking at Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Herbert, and then there's going to be one who just doesn't belong, whether he goes to Denver and you got uh, Carr there in, in Vegas who doesn't belong, or he goes to uh, Vegas and you have uh, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Somebody's not going to belong. There's going to be – that is going to be the gauntlet there. Um, I, I tend to agree. However, I do like the weapons that he would have at his disposal uh, in in Vegas as well. Either spot he goes to either one of those, those teams are both going to be good. Obviously, the weapons are better uh, in Denver, but it, it'd be exciting to pair him with uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, Waller would be interesting. And then you'd always have – we don't know at this point who the number two target in, in uh, Vegas is going to be. We know it's probably going to be Judy and Sutton in some capacity right. at Denver. He goes to Vegas and and get the guys while you can. Um, so, obviously, if Rodgers leaves, you probably don't want to be buying in real hot, hard on Jones and Adams. Are you guys both swerving those guys kind of right now, waiting to see clarity? Well, I'm definitely going to move them down. Adams is still a top ten wide receiver, regardless of really who's throwing the ball. He's going to get peppered with targets. But, yeah, he's definitely going to have to slide down. I, I mean, I, last year we were both in consensus that he was number one. This year we probably both have him sitting in the top five. I think he may slide below the top five with depending on who the quarterback is. Jones. I still have him in the top ten. Yeah. If they go to Jordan Love, they're going to lean heavy on yeah, the run game. Yeah, Tanyan probably takes a bump if it's Jordan Love, I'd imagine. Uh, I, I just don't know enough about Jordan Love to, to know uh, – Obviously, if the price tag goes down on Adams because Rodgers is out of town, right now with Rodgers there, the price tag is probably so high most people aren't going to afford it, aren't going to want to put the capital up to get him. Rodgers leaves town, you may be able to get Adams significantly cheaper. Rodgers leaves, who's to say Adams doesn't demand a trade, and now he's going someplace where he's got a better arm. I mean, there's a there's a huge scenario there. So, okay, let's let's play the other side of the coin. Rodgers leaves and goes to either Denver or or Vegas. What, are you trying to buy any of these guys cheap now with the odds that he might be there? And, and if so, what does that look like? I mean, in my mind, if you're in need for receivers buying into Judy or Sutton, if you believe he's going to go to Denver, would be the smart move because they're both going to take a bump up. If you go, And same, if you if you think he's going to go to Las Vegas, you got to go buy it cheap now because once he's there, it's not going to be cheap. Correct. I agree. Can't forget my boy Noah Fant. Yeah. His red zone target's going to go up. Noah Fant's red zone targets would skyrocket. Um 
Yeah, I, I think, and, and I'm, I'm slightly a little bit biased here, obviously. I own Cortland Sutton. I got him at a relative steal last year um, in our Dynasty League. Uh, but I, I think if I was to go after one or the other of him or Judy, Judy's got the age by a year, but I think I'd still take Sutton. We, we saw Judy, and he wasn't nearly as impressive as everybody thought he was going to be. He didn't quite pan out the way we expected, whereas Sutton broke out and broke onto the scene in a big way with terrible quarterback play his first year there in Denver. So if I was going to go to one or the other, that's probably who I would lean. Um, and let's be honest, if, if you're in a dynasty league, Sutton's probably coming pretty cheap after somebody got burned by him sitting on the bench all year last Absolutely. year. Um there is one other trade we have to talk about. Um, Jason didn't tell you. I'll tell you for him. He's a diehard Falcons fan, just like I am. So we got two smart guys and, a, and an idiot Seahawks fan on this podcast That's this me. week. Um, so obviously, there's r- rumors swirling. Not, not, not similarly to the Rodgers deal. It's not Julio coming out and saying Julio is going to be traded or wants to be traded. But there's a lot of a lot of rumors coming out of Atlanta that that it's a better than fifty percent chance that Julio doesn't play there next year. So as much as it doesn't pain me to, or it pains me to say this because I want to see him retire, where's the best Julio landing spot out there? I'll leave that one on you guys. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, everything I hear is the Ravens going after. Yeah, him. and that's, that's terrible. Ter- I, I, I think Colts, I think would be the best. They have the cap oh, yeah. space. They have a great offensive line. He'd be a great red zone target for Carson Wentz. Yeah. Frank Wright could scheme ways to get him wide open. If I if I'm if I'm a uh, a non Falcons fan for a minute and I own Julio, I don't want Julio going anywhere because he's never going to get as much love from any quarterback as he will Matt Ryan. Him and Matt Ryan have an incredible connection. Matt Ryan's been his quarterback since day one with Julio. He's never going to get that love anywhere else. And in a lot of ways, to way the way Rodgers peppers targets to Adams, Ryan does that with Julio. He just kind of fades him a little bit in the red zone. Um, but now with Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, Julio's not going to get the double teams he would have last year even. Julio's value skyrockets if he stays in Atlanta. For my money, if he goes, fantasy value aside, I want to see him go someplace where he's going to have a chance to get a ring. Um, There's a lot of spots where Julio could go. I've seen the Raiders as a possible target. Um, That'd be great if they also took Aaron Rodgers. I don't see that they'd be able to take both. Um, New England's another team I've seen in the market for Julio. I, I don't like that one as much. Um, maybe if Mac Jones is a little further in his development, that one would be okay. But I, I just don't really see a lot of great landing spots out there that are in the market for an aging star wide receiver. Um, and again, I am slightly biased. I want Julio to stay. Um, Absolutely. He's a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame wide receiver and uh, probably the best in Falcons history without question. I'm going to New England would be really full circle after Bill Belichick told Thomas <laughs> Dimitrioff not to trade. Yes, it would be. You're, you're, that would be some poetic irony, if we may uh, call it that. Um, all right, so those are kind of the trade rumors that we got going on. There is one other massive fantasy um, impact news that we have to talk about. The Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars got Trevor Lawrence's new favorite weapon. It's Tebow the, time! The best – uh, tight end in, in football. If you're listening to this, go go snake and pick him up. Please don't do that. Um, that is terrible advice. Hot take. Do not add Tim Tebow. He's probably not going to make the 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 52 man or 53 man roster. Um, but it would be cool to see some corner of the end zone kneel downs for some praying instead of you know some other things. Right. So absolutely. we'll see what happens there. It could be a fun storyline to watch. Tebow's back with Urban Meyer. Could we see some tight end passes? You know, we'll see what happens there, but it's, it's something to keep your eye on because it could be fun. Uh, definitely not fun for fantasy, but it could be fun to watch from an NFL fan perspective. 
Although if he's getting throws and throwing touchdowns on some trick plays, you're getting a touchdown from a tight end. That hey, people got that from Taysom Hill last year, exactly. right? He's not making the roster. Yeah, he, so. he, he's not making the roster. Let's <laughs> call it what it is. Um, let's jump right into some of these undrafted free agents. We can spend a little bit of time on these guys, and then we'll and then we'll get into this uh, this three round draft. So, um, one of you two take it take us away here. Tell me your number one guy. My number my number one guy is with the Falcons, Javion Hawkins, running back out of Louisville, got picked up into a backfield that's wide open. I mean, you got Mike Davis who did show that he could handle a workload there in Carolina, but prior years to that, he had he struggled to even find a piece of any of the other offense mm-hmm. in Chicago or Seattle. So that's my number one. He's going into a wide open backfield. Yeah, and he's and he's going into a to a coach that scheme runs really well for for Derrick Henry. Um, obviously, I'm not trying to compare Javion Hawkins, who's five foot eight, 183 pounds, to King Henry, um, but you know, just for some hindsight here. Uh, in college at Louisville, Javion Hawkins ran the ball 399 times for 2,335 yards, 5.9 yards of carry for 16 touchdowns. He also added 21 receptions, 189 y- yards, nine yards per reception with one touchdown. Um, he's definitely, especially with the Falcons getting rid of Brian Hill and um, Ito Smith, the known pass catchers we had in our backfield. Uh, there's definitely going to be a role carved out for Javion Hawkins to possibly even just, if it's not, a chance to be a three down back. He's going to have some work first year, I would imagine. Um, and, and if we're talking about an undrafted free agent here, let's be honest, it's somebody who's going to come in and have a chance at early fantasy impact. It may not be uh, a big impact, but he's going to have some impact. And I think JV and Hawkins, the, the, the door is wide open for him to carve some sort of role. The running back coach for the Falcons just said yesterday he brings a different element to the run game than they had in the building. Allison and Mike Davis are already their power backs. They needed a speed yeah. element. Yeah. So I, I feel pretty strongly about him making the roster. So, but, mean, but Cordell Patterson, I mean, they he, said he's going to be a more traditional running back in this scheme, but he still has a lot to learn, especially in the blocking department. I think a lot of Hawkins sliding out of being drafted was the fact he did opt out of the rest of the season. Other than that, I think he would have been a drafted running back. Yeah, he probably would have had some late round capital with him, and, and he probably wouldn't be sitting in Atlanta because apparently Mike Davis is good enough that we didn't need a running back in the draft. And I'm okay <laughs> with drafting one with where they fell. Um, another guy I've got on my board, I've got another running back here who I think is going to have a chance to come in and get some early work. Uh, Jarrett Patterson, the running back out of Buffalo, um, signed undrafted at, with the Washington football team, five foot nine, 195 pounds. Uh, the depth chart in front of him is Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. Um, there's going to be opportunity for work there as well. Um, man was a tank in college, 636 attempts, 3,884 yards. Uh, rushing 6.1 yards per carry with 52 touchdowns. Granted, eight of them came in one week this year. Uh, he also added 20 receptions for 271 yards, 13.6 yards per reception, one touchdown. Guys, I'm going to be, I'm going to go out and, and put this as a hot take here. If Gibson were to get hurt, you could see Jarrett Patterson come in as a three-down back. I like Jarrett Patterson that much. Absolutely. Um, I, I would guess if I was was to be a betting man, he didn't get drafted because small school small body frame, but he's a bowling ball when he's on the field. Um, I, I don't know how you guys feel about Patterson, whether you think he's got an outside chance or not, but if I was to pick up an undrafted free agent, he'd be the guy that I would consider based on his uh, potential there with Washington. Absolutely. I mean, if you're a Gibson owner, you may want to go out and go ahead and pick him up as your handcuff for the season because McKissick's a proven pass catching back. This guy's going to come in if Gibson gets hurt banged up at all he's going to come in and get some work in a redraft league is there any undrafted free agents that you want to take a stab at in a redraft 
it really just depends on like the depth of your league 10 team absolutely not 12 team like if you're getting 14 16 could maybe look at hawkins hawkins but, would be the only one i would yeah. consider and it would be very late be yeah very i think late. hawkins would be yeah about the only one um i've also got uh, a pass catcher for the detroit lions um as we all know, there was one wide receiver on the roster from turnover from last year, and it was Quintez Cephas, who has an immense trade value, as we learned today. Um, but they added Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perryman in the offseason. They drafted Amon Ross St. Brown, and then they signed a plethora of wide receivers. They added uh, Josh, Josh Adams Jr. Jonathan Adams. Jonathan Adams, excuse me, from Arkansas State, I yep. believe, uh, who's a big freak. And then they added Sage Surratt, the wide receiver from Wake Forest, and that's who I've got. As uh, my one of my undrafted favorite guys here, 6'3", 215 pounds, um, 107 receptions for 1,582 uh, yards, 14.8 yards per reception, 15 touchdowns. Again, if, this is a guy that if he goes to a bigger school and is even possibly just the number two at a bigger school, his draft capital is skyrocketing. But when you play for a miserable Wake Forest team, your options are pretty limited, okay? Uh, and he's walking into a, a wide receiver room that's completely unestablished. Anything can happen in this place. The coaching staff uh, that's there has no ties to Quintez Cephas. They did bring in Brashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams, but did they bring them in just to have mentors for some of these younger guys that they're adding? I mean, the, the, the sky's the limit for all the guys that were added this year, whether it's Amon Ross St. Brown, Adams, or Surratt. So really, this is another dart throw in, in deep leagues or or dynasty leagues that he he could be a guy that's worth a dart throw here. Absolutely, I have Adams Jr. going to Detroit as a, as a guy to throw a dart at later in uh, rookie drafts or even after the drafts so or throw on your taxi. It, once again, any other school, he probably would have had higher draft capital. He, he decided to stay at Arkansas State because he wanted to stay close to home. So I mean. This dude's he's just a big bodied guy. He's gonna be a red zone target if he makes the team. And I mean, if he just establishes that he can play the game with with the bigger name players, then he's gonna get a spot on this roster. Yeah, I mean there there's no doubt about it. Again, that's that as a wide receiver, that's the best place to 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 be eyeballing it because it could change week to week. It could change uh, Jared Goff established and maintain two top 25 receivers basically his whole time in Los Angeles. Um, and now he's going from Robert Woods and Cooper Cup to a room full of nobodies, essentially. Um, so he's got he's got no chemistry with any of these guys. It's going to be a while before we figure out who his number one target's going to be. Um, but it could be any of these guys. There, it could, it, could, it could be Quintez Cephas. It could be one of these undrafted guys. It could be on Mara St. Brown. It's wide open, and, it, and it's the best place a wide receiver could have possibly went. Absolutely. And the amount of volume that any of them could get is just – you could dream. <laughs> I mean, I, I think if we all three could probably sit in agreement that the number one and number two pass catchers there are going to be TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, most likely. Yes, exactly. We'll get the larger share of the target. But he is going to have to throw to wide receivers. You can't just rely on those two to win football games. I'm not sure Detroit wants to win football games. They've done a pretty good job their whole history of not winning football games. Um, but when you're biting off kneecaps, anything can happen. But, um, but with uh, Anthony Lynn calling plays now, he has a history with Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler getting a lot of volume. And yeah. you're exactly right with Swift and Hawkinson getting it now. Yeah, and, and again, any it could be anybody here, but, but those will be the ones I've got to bet on. Uh, I've also got Josh Amitor Bebe, the wide receiver from Illinois who went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, six foot two, two 220 pounds, 
Uh, he also uh, started his career at USC before transferring to Illinois. Uh, 57 receptions, 942 yards, 16.5 yards per reception, and 12 touchdowns. Again, another guy that had he stayed at USC, who knows what would have happened. Uh, but you go to Illinois, who's not good in football. We all know that living right. in Illinois, they're not good in football. Haven't been since Juice Williams' days um, or Jeff George prior to that. Um, but at Jacksonville, again, same same scenario we just talked about. Walking in the door, there's no established chemistry. Anything could happen. Um, I've also got – uh, Jamie Newman, if I had to throw a dart at a quarterback, Jamie Newman would probably be the guy just based on where he went. He got drafted out of Wake Forest, technically got drafted out of Georgia, never took a snap for Georgia, went to uh, Wake Forest prior. He got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. And the only reason I've got him on here is because that front office and coaching staff was divided. Do we keep Carson Wentz? Do we keep Jalen Hurts? What do we do here? Ultimately, one half one, and they ended up getting rid of Carson Wentz. We're looking at Jalen Hurts. I have to imagine Jalen Hurts is going to be on a semi-short leash next year um, because there's there's jobs tied to that. Um, and if, if he comes out flat and doesn't look good, you could see Jamie Newman potentially have a chance possibly. Um, six foot four, 230 pounds. And he was a gunslinger in college. 506 attempts, 300, uh, 516 attempts, 306 completions, 60.5% uh, completion rating. Uh, 3,959 yards and a 35 to 16 touchdown interception ratio. Um, not what you'd expect necessarily, but again, we're talking about Wake Forest here. Right. Um, so we're they're playing up to competition that's much better than them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, anybody else you guys want to add into that list, really? Or you think no, there's, I mean, I don't have much more on there that should be making impacts. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it goes every year. You get the undrafted guys. There's a couple diamonds in the rough. I mean, let's be honest, quarterbacks – it used to be if you weren't drafted in the first round, you, your career probably wasn't anything. But we've seen uh, Tony Romo now, Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen some undrafted quarterbacks come in and have an impact. Um, same thing with the undrafted running backs. You got Philip Lindsay, Arian Foster a few years ago, uh, James Robinson last year. So there's there's potential for it. You just got to be lucky and hit that right one. It's it's a guessing game when they're undrafted because there's no draft capital established to them. So you know there's no that expectation. Obviously, if you get you know, a guy like Kadarius Tony or somebody similar that has a first round capital, you're assuming there's going to be some kind of role carved out for him. Even if they didn't have any business being drafted in the first round, there's going to be some sort of draft capital um, established with them. And then, you know, you know where to, what to expect a little bit versus undrafted guys. Absolutely. All right. So let's jump into this, this, this uh, rookie draft. Uh, I did allude earlier that we just finished ours for our dynasty league. Um, we had some crazy picks happen in ours. We had Pat Fearmuth, Trey Sermon go in the first round. Um, you know, we had some guys slide. Mac Jones went in the middle of the third round. Trey Lance went at the end of the second. Trey Lance went at the end of the second. We didn't have Trevor Lawrence selected until the eighth overall pick. Um, and, and just as some context, it's a one quarterback dual flex league. Um, so, you know, it, it was it's kind of interesting. We're going to do this draft as if it's a PPR league, one quarterback league. Uh, and we're just going to draft how we think the best players fit where. Um, so there may be some guys that got left out that you'd see go in another league, possibly. And we'll, and we'll talk about some guys we left out. We'll talk about why we take some guys where we do. And we'll, and we'll just go through it from there. Uh, obviously, it's only right that we give our, our guest up, uh, uh, here the first overall pick. So Urish is going to have the first overall pick, followed by myself because I just have a better record uh, last year than Walker did. And then uh, we're going to let Walker bring up the rear. So what we'll do is we'll go through the first round. We'll go through the first round. 
we'll, we'll, we'll break it down after we do it, and then we'll start our second and third, and then we'll, depending on what we have for time at the end, we'll talk about some guys we left off and why we left them off. So let's go ahead and get on the clock here. Um, what, what do you, who are you taking first, Jason? Uh, with the first pick in this mock draft, it really came down to two players for me, but I went with Jamar Chase. Okay. Uh, 2019 Blitnikoff Award winner, Dynasty League. He should hit the ground running. He's already got that connection with Joe Burrow, so you don't even have to wait for the production to happen. He's going to hit the ground. And I just like the wide receiver, the running back for long-term dynasty. Absolutely. Najee Harris would be the other guy I was considering in that spot, but I have to go Jamar Chase with the first pick. All right, so I I agree. There's I think there's two names that you could rotate there at the one for me. Um, And obviously, like I've told you guys in the past here, my emphasis on my research this year outside of this podcast was running back. That was my need. I had the number two overall pick. I took Najee Harris in our dynasty. I'm going to take Najee Harris here. Instant three down back there in Pittsburgh. Got a noodle arm quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career. Should should live on the dump off. So I've got Najee Harris here at the at the 102. The 103, I'm going to take uh, Kyle Pitts just because that tight end position is – if he comes in and lives up to the draft – his draft capital, he, he's going to be a top five uh, tight end in fantasy. And that's one position that if you can get it shared up, you might as well get it done. Yeah, and and let's be honest, it, you were smart to take him in front of two Falcons fans because he was off the board next, I imagine, if he was still there. So, yeah, I, I get that. So, uh, at four in our draft, we saw Travis Etienne. I kind of thought maybe that was a little early. What are you thinking here at four? I actually have him fourth on my board as well. Okay. And uh, I'd go with him. Uh, Urban Meyer is his very friendly running backs. I know James Robinson is there right now, but this new coaching staff has no connection to James Robinson. They have first-round draft capital on Travis Etienne. Yeah, I, I definitely think, speaking on that backfield, uh, I, all, all offseason, those of you who have been listening, I've been preaching James Robinson's a guy. Leave him there. Leave him alone. Um, he's cheap. It lets you build a team around him. They went opposite of that. They went with a first-round uh, running back in this draft. James Robinson is probably not in Jacksonville after this season. Heck, he might not be there halfway through the season if they get a trade offer for him. So ETN makes sense. I I would have went Devonta Smith here, uh, and I'm going to go Devonta Smith at the five. Heisman winner, yes, he's he's got a small frame. um, But in Philadelphia, there's no number one target there. Jalen Rager, there's the tight ends. Miles Sanders, we're going to go with Devonta Smith at the five. I think Devonta Smith walks in and gets an immediate huge target share here. Absolutely, absolutely. That's where I was going to go with the six, but I guess I'll go somewhere else. I'm still going to stay with the wide receivers. I'm going to go Jalen Waddle. Already has the connection with Tua down there in Miami. Should step in and be able to take away some targets and and, and be an immediate impact there in that offense. Yeah, with the sixth pick, I'm going to go with uh, Javante Williams. I took him in our seventh, real seventh. seventh pick. I'll go with Javante Williams. I took him in our real draft. I'm going to take him here in this mock. Melvin Gordon's on, only got one year left on his contract. So the amount of work Javante Williams could get this year and then future years is insane. Like, and, and remember, as we're, as we're doing this mock draft, we're doing this as if this is a dynasty. You don't have rookie, uh, don't have rookie drafts in very many redraft leagues. If you do uh, – that's news to me. I've never seen one. So this is obviously as if this was a dynasty. Javante Williams 
um, value over the course of his career is going to get better. Melvin Gordon's an aging back. You don't see many backs get multiple co- year contracts as, as old as he is. I, I'm not saying I'd be shocked to see him get like an, another one-year deal there in Denver if he plays well this year, but more than less likely he's gone. Javante Williams makes a ton of sense there. Now I'm going to shock both of you here at eight. This is where the first quarterback came off our board in our league. Okay. Dynasty league. Trevor Lawrence makes a ton of sense because he's a safe bet. That's not what I'm doing here. If I'm drafting dynasty, I want the most points possible, okay? Um, if you have quarterback need on your team and you need a safe play, it's got to be Trevor Lawrence. If you're drafting because you want the highest upside that's possible, it's Trey Lance. So I'm going to take Trey Lance at, Trey Lance at eight, uh, which, again, I did get Trey Lance on our dynasty at the 209, but here's why I like Trey Lance so much. He's walking into a system with Kyle Shanahan who's known for getting the best out of his quarterbacks with the exception of maybe Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if you've seen his best. But he's got George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk, and their running backs are strong there. They're all good pass-catching backs. It, 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 it's an instant uh, recipe for success there. I like Trey Lance. That's who I'm taking at the eight. Well, I thought that was going to go the other way. Um, I was going to take Lance at the nine because that's pretty Well, you're not, on the, you're not on the board at nine. Yes, you are at the board on the board at nine. I apologize. I'm a, I'm a rookie here. I, I apologize. How'd you get a better record? Because <laughs> you gave me Kamara for free. Yeah, I did. I did. But I turned him into a lot more. You did. I'm taking Lawrence here at the nine. Um, I thought you were going to do it at the eight, but I'm going to go ahead and pull him here at the nine. I think he's definitely a first-round quarterback. He's an instant start. There's no other competition there in Jacksonville. So, Makes sense just to plug him and play him. Yeah, he's walking in the door. He's instant starter. That's great for fantasy if you know you've got a quarterback walking in the door who's instantly going to be the starter. Trey Lance is not instantly going to be the starter in San Fran. We all know that. Trevor Lawrence is walking in instantly the starter. Urban Meyer, significantly great play caller in college. Let's see how that translates to the NFL. I'm leery of it a little bit. Trevor Lawrence is still going to be a guy you can throw out there and expect to get 25 points a game from, I would imagine. He's got the skill set. Uh, don't know about his weapons. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But having Travis Etienne reunite with him there should be good for both Etienne and Lawrence. That should be a safety blanket for him. So we'll see. And, and Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. Yep. So, yep. Don't forget about Tebow. That's who you're taking here at the 10, right? Uh, not exactly. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to surprise you both here a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go Elijah Moore. I always lean towards wide receivers and dynasties just because they have a longer shelf life. Rashad Bateman was the other wide receiver I considered here, but uh, he's got Lamar Jackson throwing the ball. And uh, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, so just to request, re- re- real quick, excuse me, words are hard sometimes, recap <laughs> on this first round. Uh, number one, Jamar Chase. Two, Najee Harris. Three, Kyle Pitts. Four, ETN. Five, Smith. Six, Waddle. Seven, Williams. Eight, Lance. Nine, Lawrence. Ten, Elijah Moore. The first seven picks were basically the same as they were in our draft. And then you saw Freer Muth and Trey Sermon go. Some other things happen. and Yeah. So the first pick I'm going to take in the second round uh, is going to be um, probably in my mind going into the season as the fourth best wide receiver in this class. Uh, I hate to draft a guy here because the quarterback play is non-existent. They have a running back for quarterback. At this point, those of you listening already know who I'm talking about. It's Lamar Jackson. He's not a quarterback. I don't understand it. Put Trace McSorley in. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to take Rashad Bateman because the talent's there. If if uh, Lamar Jackson figures it out, Bateman could have an extremely high ceiling. So I'm going to take Rashad Bateman here just because the talent sliding to the second round is enough where I don't think I can let him go any further than where he's at. Absolutely. 
I'm actually going to go running back here. I'm going to go with Michael Carter uh, as he went to the Jets, where there's not a whole lot of running backs there. Michael Carter could come in, take over the workhorse role, or could just take over a third down role. Um, but there's not a whole lot of competition there, so he could be a plug-and-play guy after the first week, just seeing where he falls. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, with the next pick, I'm going to surprise you again a little bit. I'm going to go Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, he's not as talented as some of the others left on the board, but the amount of volume he could get in that offense, Absolutely. he doesn't have as much competition for targets as the other wide receivers remaining do. Yeah, I agree. He's going to walk in and should walk into 100 targets this year. Should. Again, we don't know how Jared Goff's going to like his wide receivers, but if you're taking a dart throw in the second round and open it sticks, Amon Ross St. Brown's the dart throw. I think we're all in agreement there. Um, for me, at my next pick, there's really two names that are, that are there that I'm like, ah, I could go either way on one of them. I'm going to leave one off, and I'm hoping he makes it back to me, so I'm not going to explain why I pass on him just yet. But at 14, the fourth pick in the second round, excuse me, I'm going to take Kadarius Toney uh, just because his draft capital was that of a first round. Um, Kadarius Toney's got the skill set to be what Sterling Shepard never was uh, in New York. And now that uh, Kenny Galladay's there, they have a true number one. Kenny Galladay should, if he's on the field, which doesn't happen very often, he should draw number one corner uh, and possibly double corners most times. And that should leave Kadarius Toney in one-on-one. He doesn't do anything really ex- exceptionally well, but he gets the ball in space. He's he's a handful, and uh, let's be honest, who doesn't love yak in in fantasy? So I'm going to take uh, Kadarius Tony here in the at the fourth pick in the second round. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to take a wide receiver out of Arizona, Rondell Moore. Um, he should slide into that slot role there in Arizona, and once again, the yak ability that he possesses is is crazy. So Rondell Moore off the board. That leaves Jason. You're on the board at, at pick six in the second round. What do you got? Uh, when you took Trey Lance, you talked about upside. And uh, I think the second quarterback in this draft that has the most upside is Justin Fields. Combination of throwing and running. And then if Matt Nagy can ever figure out play calling, it'll be a dream. Let's let's talk about Matt Nagy for just a second. If you, if you guys remember just back to, what, 2017, Mitch Trubisky's rookie year was something special. He looked like he was worthy of the second round pick. It was the second year first with Matt. Yeah, okay, you're right. You're right. Sorry, excuse me. But uh, when they were evaluating quarterbacks back in that draft, Matt Nagy was the OC for the Chiefs, and he was the first guy that actually talked about Patrick Mahomes. And now that he's found his quarterback that has similar traits to Pat Mahomes, now he can maybe open up the offense and be a little more dynamic. Careful. Patrick's mother does not like when people call him Pat. It's Patrick. Fair enough. Mahomes. <laughs> um, but, yes, I, I love Justin Fields. And let's be honest, I think this is going to be, be enough that it keeps Allen Robinson happy and may keep Allen Robinson in town, too, which would be big for Bears fans. More importantly, keep uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy in Chicago. <laughs> yes, out of, out of everywhere else. Because I hear there's a chance that Seattle could be in the market for a quarterback, and we all know they want Adam Gase. So let's keep Matt Nagy right where he is. Uh, when there's two Falcons fans on the show, we can gang up on the one Seahawks fan. Yeah, but how did you finish? How did your Falcons finish? <laughs> we we did what we wanted to do. We wanted to get the tight end <laughs> off the board before you guys could pick him and pick him, put him at defensive end. <laughs> uh, so at the 117 here, I, I'm I'm looking at a lot of different options. But I said at the, at the last pick, there was two guys really in mind for me. And, and at 17, the reason I didn't pick this guy at 14 was because I don't know what's going on with this quarterback. If Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, guys – Amari Rodgers could be amazing. Devontae Adams is going to draw double teams as long as he's in town. He's going to draw double teams if he goes anywhere. 
But if he's in town, he's going to draw double teams. And Aaron Rodgers has been missing his whole career second weapon, basically. Well, at least with since Devontae Adams has established himself as Devontae Adams. There's been no second wide receiver. You've had Alan Lazard. You've had Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You've had a host of guys, uh, Aquarius St. Brown, who can't catch a cold. Um, you've got all these guys that are there that get trotted out as the second guy, and none of them stick. Now, we all know that even with Amari Rodgers in town, Aaron Rodgers is still going to have eyes 95% of the time for Devontae Adams. But if he throws Damari Rodgers seven times a game, you've got the NFL MVP throwing balls to this kid who's in single coverage. He's going to have some upside. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a guy that's going to get you, you know, 25 to 30 points a game, but he could be a 15-point flex play, and you get him in the basically the end of the second round here. This could be a steal. Absolutely could be. Um, so with the next pick, I'm actually going to go um, – uh, we're out of the first round, right? So it's yeah. safe to take this guy here. Yeah, Trey Sermon. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Trey Sermon. Um, he's going into the San Francisco backfield that knows how to use their running backs. And, I mean, he's fallen Mostert, who can't stay healthy for a whole year. So, I mean, he, he's a guy that you may have to sit on your bench for a while and, and, and wait until Mostert either A, gets hurt, or B, he takes over the starting role. Or he could have fantasy value right out of the gate. Let, let's let's be honest, okay? San Francisco's got one thing and one thing only, and that's a ton of running backs, okay? Yes. And you never know who it's going to be because, let's be honest, they start the season with eight running backs. By week three, four of them are on the injured reserve. And by the time those start coming back, the other four that weren't on the injured reserve are on the injured reserve. <laughs> and each week they trot out three or four different guys. So Trey Sermon, to me, is a guy that could have a role week one. I don't think it's going to be a week worthy of a first-round draft pick and a rookie draft, but certainly a second, late second especially. Uh, Trey Sermon could be a guy that gets goal line work. I mean, he's probably the biggest back on the roster now that Jarek McKinnon's out of town. Um, so he'd be an obvious choice for, for goal line work. And let's be honest, if some of these guys are injured and it ends up being Trey Sermon late and Trey Lance finally gets his chance, what do rookie quarterbacks love? They love their tight ends, George Kill, and they love their running backs. And if that ends up being Trey Sermon there, Trey Sermon could be a late late in the season fantasy value. Uh, I don't know if he'll be there for bye weeks just yet, but he could be a late round um, uh, steal and, and a later later in the season guy that helps make a playoff push if 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 the cards fall in the right direction. Trey Sermon was actually going to be the guy I was going to take, so thank you, Walker. No problem. Uh, so since Trey Sermon is off the board, I am going to go with Terrace Marshall out of uh, Carolina. Uh, he's reconnected with his OC from LSU, Joe Brady, and Robbie Anderson only has one more year left on his contract. So might have to wait a year, but he'll be a stud after that one year. And, and Sam Darnold's away from Adam Gase, so he's probably a top-10 quarterback this year. Maybe maybe somebody who's not named Adam Gase can get the potential out of a player because we all know Adam Gase can't do that. Um, again, you alluded to it. We're out of the first round, so this player, again, to me, is safe. Uh, I'm going to finish the second round with Pat Freermuth. Uh, I, I think Pat Freemuth in, in, in a normal year where you don't have a freak athlete like Kyle Pitts, Pat Freemuth's the, 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 the tight end one in this class. Um, he might be the tight end one in this class because I don't know if you can honestly put a tight end label on Kyle Pitts. Obviously he is, um, but as far as it goes, it's, it's Kyle Pitts at the mountaintop of this class. And then a thousand feet down from that, you got Pat Fearmuth. And then on the ground level, there's several other guys. So I think Pat Fearmuth, especially in Pittsburgh, granted the quarterback situation's pretty weak there, uh, but they have Eric Ebron, and I think Vance McDonald might have one year left after this year. So next year, it's just Pat Fearmuth. And if they bring in a quarterback next year in the draft, again, what do rookie quarterbacks love? They love their tight ends, they love their running backs, Najee Harris, 
Pat Freemuth could benefit tremendously from that. And we also know that typically tight ends take two, three years to develop, so you don't expect much out of this guy anyway. But the last pick in the second round, I love the possibility here. Absolutely. Um, so real quick recap again of the second round. Uh, we had Rashad Bateman, Michael Carter, Amon Ross St. Brown, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, Justin Fields, Amari Rogers, Trey Sermon, Terrace Marshall, and Pat Freemuth. Now, I think what we're, we're kind of developing a trend here, and this is – it's fantasy, so it's worth bringing up. We've had four running backs drafted through 20 picks here. That says a lot about the landing spots of these running backs. I think you'll see a couple go in the third round here potentially. Um, but really, as a whole, this this running back class was pretty weak to begin with, and then the landing spots certainly did not help anything at all. Um, so, Walker, if you want to go ahead and kick us off here in the in the third round, tell us what, where you're at in your head on the third. I think I'm going to take one of my dart throws here because um, if Deshaun Watson's still throwing the football, there's not a whole lot of people to compete with. I'm going to go with Nico Collins here at the 301 pick. Um, once again, I mean, who's who's left in, in – um, Kiki Kuti and Brandon Cooks. Cooks, that's – yeah. So, I mean, Nico Collins could come in and – Philip Lindsay, Lamar Miller, and, and David Johnson, though. Um, I, you know, listen, again, I'm, I, I've said this – umpteen times on this podcast nico collins could be the most skilled wide receiver in this class the number one recruit in his recruiting class coming into college dreadful quarterback play at the university of michigan this this guy looked good in the senior bowl with i believe mac jones throwing the ball um who's obviously a step up from anybody on that michigan roster now you put him with deshaun watson if deshaun watson could stay out of massage parlors and you could see something very special here i mean you really could and and why since i brought his name up that's worth noting too deshaun watson just filed his um defensive um what do you want to call it in court i'm not a lawyer here defense attorney well he he, he put out his response basically and it, there's a solid chance deshaun watson gets out of all of this um they have a lot of information catch 22 you have to stay in houston <laughs> yeah, for the, if he gets out of all the trouble, he's not going to be in Houston. They'll be able to trade him, get what they want for him. Um, but there's a chance that he may ends up in Houston for a couple weeks. And those couple weeks, give me Nico Collins because kids a stud. All right, so Urish, you're on the clock with 302 here. What are you? Where are you looking? I don't love the pick, but I got to go running back Kenneth Gainwell. I was really hoping my Dirty Birds were going to take him in the fourth or fifth, but he fell to the Eagles. Uh, if he landed anywhere else, he would have gone a lot higher in this draft. Mm -hmm. He's Absolutely. a great pass catcher. I love the talent, just don't like the landing spot. Yeah, we all know Philadelphia is the death spot for running backs. It seems going back to maybe Shady McCoy, um, there, there's been a uh, – you've got – thousand running backs on the roster and not really i mean obviously miles sanders could be we don't know what he is because we've never been given the opportunity to see um kenneth gainwell is a guy walking in though that could be a threat to miles sanders if they decide they don't want to re-sign miles sanders there's a there's a solid chance um that uh kenneth gainwell could have an early role he could be the in instant third down back miles sanders gets hurt kenneth gainwell is the most talented running back on the roster not named miles sanders so that's a that's a great pick here. Uh, at the third pick in this in the third round, I already have Trey Lance, but I don't have a quarterback that's going to be the day one starter. Zach Wilson makes the most sense here. He's walking into a New York Jets offense that's that's really kind of bare on weapons. You know, you got Michael Carter, Michael P. Ryan, um, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, um, Corey Davis, Corey Davis um, that, that, Elijah Moore. There's just 
eh, it's it's eh for me as far as weapons go. But I do like the fact that he's coming in and going to be in a similar role to what the San Francisco 49ers do. Uh, and, and San Francisco 49ers play calling makes the best for quarterbacks. And he's going to be an instant day one start. So I think for me that the value of, of Zach Wilson here is just too much to pass on. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go out and take Dewami, uh, yeah, Dewami Brown for the Washington football team, uh, wide receiver. Um, I, they don't have a wide receiver, too. This guy could end up coming in and, and becoming the wide receiver, too. They did add uh, Curtis Samuel during the offseason, which I think will be used more as a gadget guy. But I think Brown could have uh, instant potential to be in the starting lineup, maybe not instantly you know, in your starting lineup as a fantasy. But I think the upside for him is very good there at Washington. Be interesting to see uh, Fitzmagic throwing him the ball. Yes, it will. Yeah. That's three uh, picks in a row. You snaked my guy. So You're welcome. And the funny part is the other name that's been in my head is still sitting on the board. So I'm going to go running back again. Actually, I'm going to go Ramondre Stevenson out of New England. Want uh, 2.0? You can see it happen. Uh, you don't know Sony Michelle's con- like status if he's even going to be on the team. They just declined his fifth year option, so he's going to be fighting Damian Harris for carries and. Uh, I'll take the goal line carries. Yeah, I, I definitely see the upside with Ramondre Stevenson. I, I think Sony Michelle probably ends up being cut at this point. They, they the Patriots didn't pick up um, his fifth year option, so he's he's easier to cut after June first, and that would leave um, Damian Harris, who's missed time uh, with I believe a hand injury in his career. Is it hand or is it hamstring? I don't remember which. But he's missed some time, and now you got fresh legs coming in in Ramondre Stevenson. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Bill Belichick does with him, whether Bill Belichick fades him because he's a rookie in favor of whatever um, Walmart grocery stocker they add. Um, but it, nonetheless, definitely here halfway through the third, he's a solid pickup. Um, for me, I, I've got to go with a guy here that I'm not really enticed by overly um, – but I'm going to go with uh, Dwayne Eskridge out of uh, Central Michigan um, going to – or was it Western Michigan? Either Western. way, Western Michigan, coming from Michigan, going into Seattle. And here's the reason why I like Dwayne Eskridge, okay? You got DK Metcalf on one side of the field who's going to draw double teams, okay? He gives up on plays sometimes. He's still young. He's coming into it. He just ran with Olympic sprinters for, for Pete's sakes here and held his own. Obviously finished ninth out of ten, but he held his own. Um, very fast. And then on the opposite side, you got Tyler Lockett, who both players broke Seattle receiving records last year. Correct. They both finished in, I think, the top 10 in fantasy, if not top 10, top 15 in fantasy last year. So you're going to add a guy in Dwayne Eskridge who's extremely fast. He did just um, uh, transition to wide receiver recently. I believe he was a cornerback. Was he the one that was a cornerback or was that Demetric Felton? I felt was a running back. I think it was Dwayne Eskridge that transitioned from cornerback to wide receiver, um, similar to the way Devin Hester did it in the NFL. But you're going to give me a quick, speedy guy with okay hands that's not going to get the the even number two corner getting the ball from Russell Wilson when a play breaks down. It's if you're fast enough to get away from your defender when the play breaks down, Russell Wilson's going to find you. I don't think this kid's going to be a PPR monster for, for sure. I think there'll be a lot of weeks where he hangs five points. But there could be weeks in that offense where he hangs 25-30. And, and I think in the in the third round late, he's a, he's a steal. Yeah, you also get I'm, – I'm assuming Seattle will use him as their kick returner also. So, he scores on special teams. You get those extra points too. Um, 
I'm going to go with um, Mac Jones here on this pick. Uh, not sure if he's going to be the day one starter. I know I took Lawrence earlier, but Mac Jones just seems like the best fit right now this late in the draft. Yeah, I definitely agree. I like I like Mac Jones. Uh, Bill Belichick getting another quarterback to tailor to how his liking. He could be uh, he could be a handful. With the next pick, I'm going to go Homer here and uh, Javion Hawkins. Got Arthur Smith as his play caller now. I uh, just the upside is just too high in that offense to pass him up this late. I mean, it's my last pick. I have to take him. Yeah, uh, Javion Hawkins, again, if you were going to throw a dart at an undrafted free agent, we said it had to be Javion Hawkins. You're getting him at the eighth pick in the third round. There's really not any um, downside to that. If he doesn't stick, oh, well, there's a lot of guys that you're going to take in third rounds of rookie drafts that aren't sticking. Basically, the third and fourth round, you're throwing darts, hoping you get lucky in a third-round pick sticks. And that's all there is to it. A lot of these guys are going to end up being cuts as the season moves on. If you don't have deep taxis, they're going to be cuts. Uh, and the guy I'm going to draft here is is a guy that's probably going to be a cut for a lot of people if you draft him. But I'm going to stick with the tight end position. I'm going to take Trey McKitty out of the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, again, this is me wanting to own another piece of the pie there in Los Angeles. It's going to be an explosive offense. Herbert, at this point, unless we were all just burned by a flash in the pan last year, he seems to be the real deal. Um and Hunter Henry, we all know, left for greener pastures money-wise, obviously not play-wise. You know, it made no sense, especially after John U. Smith signed first. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad I don't own him. Um, but Trey McKitty's going to go in. He's going to be in the number two behind Jared Cook. We talk about father time on this show from time to time. Jared Cook's got to be meeting father time shortly. Um, his career is not going to be immensely longer than where it is right now. And if Trey McKitty gets a year to come in, learn the offense, sit behind Jared Cook, maybe learn a few few uh, uh, tricks of the trade from him, and then step in and be an option for um, J- uh, Justin Herbert, what what's not to like? Again, this is a dart throw, possibly a cut if you if he doesn't pan out. But at this point, it, it doesn't hurt you if he doesn't pan out. Absolutely. I'm going to take Khalil Herbert with the last pick, um, running back that went to Chicago. Um, it's Montgomery and Cohen there. So, I mean, yeah, he, is, he may be the third back to start, but Cohen's your pass catcher, and I could see Herbert uh, competing for the starting role with Montgomery. Yeah, you, ju- you just had to ruin it. You just had to. There had to be four running backs taken in this round. You guys couldn't have just left it at two. So I could have said, see, guys, the running back class is weak. Uh, but we had Pat Freermuth. Sorry, you want me to take the receiver I was looking at at the same time? <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. We had Pat Freermuth, uh, Nico Collins, Kenneth Gainwell, Zach Wilson, Dwami Brown, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Dwayne Eskridge, Mac Jones, Javion Hawkins, Trey McKitty, and Khalil Herbert. Again, there was some guys that were left off of this, again, for obvious reasons, landing spots not being great, um, you know, whatever the case may be. I was extremely excited about Chase or Chuba Hubbard coming into this um this this nfl draft obviously you get behind uh christian mccaffrey not a lot of fantasy value there for you unless christian mccaffrey gets hurt which obviously i don't want to see that happen and christian mccaffrey makes the game a lot more fun except for when he plays atlanta twice a year exactly um but um the running back class as a whole and this then this was pretty pretty weak um it was pretty clear to see that the, the wide receiver pool was much much deeper um and there was a lot of talent there was talent we left off the board that i think is 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 um, valuable as well. Um, but really, I, I think this, this if you're in a group of 10 guys and they're all pretty knowledgeable, which obviously they weren't in our dynasty league because Pat Freemuth and Trey Sermon went in the first round. We had four undrafted. 
free agents get drafted in our four round. We did, uh, but uh, we also had Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense and Greg Zerline go in our in our rookie, <laughs> uh, which it is a rookie slash veteran waiver. You know, whatever you're 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 able to do that. But let's be honest, who's picking kickers and defenses with rookie picks? There's one person, and we won't get into that too much right now. Was it the same person that picked Fearmuth and Sermon in the first round? It was, yes. It oh, was okay. the same person. Killed his draft. Uh, nailed it. Um, but if you're in a, in a group with 10 competent individuals, I, I think for the most part, this is kind of how you're going to see it go. Obviously, the quarterbacks could be eh, different. They could go in different orders. If you got a guy that's needy of a quarterback, wants to be safe, has to have immediate impact, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. If you have a guy that's, you know, quarterbacks – Realistically, you're probably going to go 8, 9, 10 first round. The talent before him is too much. If you got the guys in the 8, 9, 10 pick, if they kept their own pick, probably don't have a high need for a quarterback. So it's not un- unlikely and unreal to say, yeah, you could see these elite quarterbacks not take off the board in the first round. But if you are if you are in, in, a, in a spot where you're drafting late and you don't have that need and you want to go best player available and, and highest upside, you could see Trey Lance, Justin Fields go in front of Trevor Lawrence. I don't think anybody could argue here. Um, as far as wide receivers go, uh, I do agree that Jamar Chase is the number one, but I don't think anybody would go, what the heck did somebody just do if they took Devonta Smith in front of him? He is a Heisman winner, um, did have an amazing career at Alabama, and he did dr- get drafted to a great spot where he doesn't have to compete with T, T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. Um, so I, I, I could see that. I also – wouldn't argue somebody necessarily if they took Trevor Etienne or Travis Etienne over Najee Harris. A lot of people hate the Pittsburgh landing spot for for Najee. Um, so I, 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 I at least personally, I, I kind of go back and forth on on the top of each of these positions. Obviously, tight end is the one that you can't argue. It's Kyle Pitts or nothing. Um, and let's be honest, how many people and how many times do we see a tight end drafted in the top three and everybody goes, yeah, that makes sense. It, it, probably the first time ever. I mean, obviously, he's the, the highest drafted free agent in NFL draft history. Um, so it makes sense that he's the highest drafted tight end in, in fantasy as well. And uh, realistically, um, there there's several guys in this class that at their respected position could finish top 10 even year one. Uh, Kyle Pitts should and will, I do believe, finish top 10 tight end. Yeah. There's a chance for Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddle to all finish top 10 year one. Uh, Najee and ETN, I, I think if I was to say one of those is going to be top 10 year one, it's probably Najee just because the work's there instantly. But there is some, there is a lot of a lot of deep depth in this class of the wide receiver position. Uh, and, and stranger things have happened. Obviously, if, you, if we went and redid last year's draft class, Justin Jefferson would be drafted really high this year. And Chase Claypool the same way, whereas last year in rookie drafts, they probably went in the middle of the second round, if I had to guess. Um, so so naturally, um, there's going to be some guys break out in the second round that are drafted that you're like, where'd this come from? Because I don't think many people saw Justin Jefferson breaking onto the scene or Chase Claypool breaking on the, the scene the way they did. Um, so it's interesting to see how that pans out. Um, but as far as if you guys had to pick somebody that went in the second round or after in this draft, that could finish top 10 at their position. I'll, we'll each pick one, um, but who do you guys think it is and why? Start with Jurish over there. I could go Justin Fields. Uh, if he gets the week one starter job, he's got tremendous upside, and he's got the weapon in Allen Robinson. So you could see a big performance out of him if he gets the opportunity early. Yeah, uh, the guy I'm going to go with is is another guy that Urish took in the draft, uh, but I'm going to go Amon Ross St. Brown. Um Listen, I don't think it's going to translate into wins for the Detroit Lions, but we're, we're purely talking about fantasy at this point. Amon Ross St. Brown's walking into a, a wide-open target share, okay? If he gets 110 targets this year and catches 90 passes, 
he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. There's a good chance of it. Um, but let's also be honest, he's going to be coming in as, a, as a, a rookie wide receiver and probably drawing the number one corner, probably the b- best corners he's seen in his career. Uh, he runs the majority out of his, his uh, routes out of the slot. So Jared Goff's pretty used to throwing to Cooper Cup on the slot. Yeah, yeah. and if you so, if you get Cooper uh, Cup and at the at the third pick in the second round, you're you're doing something right. Um, so it'll be definitely be interesting to see how what Jared Goff does there. That'll be one of the offenses I keep my eye on because there's just a lot of a lot of opportunity. Yes, I'm gonna go with Deshard Bateman if if Lamar Jackson can figure out how to throw a ball. Deshard Bateman, I was very high on going into this draft. I think he's got the, all the skills in the world to. Um, make it up into the top 10 for wide receivers. The issue is his quarter, his running back throwing the football to him. So, I mean, if, if Jackson can figure it out, I can see Bateman sneaking up in there. All right, I'm, I'm going to throw another curveball at you guys here, and this one's going to be significantly harder than the one we just did. Let's take our top 10 here, which, again, I'll re- refresh everybody's memory. Jamar Chase, uh, Najee Harris, Kyle Pitts, Travis Etienne, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, uh, um, Javante Williams. Thank you. Javante Williams, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, and Elijah Moore. Which one of those has the highest chance to be a bust in the NFL? Walker, you finished. You want to start us off here? Oh, wow. Um, you want you want to come back to Yeah, the, come back to me here. Yurish, you ready or you want me to kick it off? All right, Yurish is ready. If I had to choose one, I'd have to go Trey Lance just because he has only played one season and he has less than 200 throws in college. So you like untapped potential, but if anybody can get it, it's Kyle Shanahan. But you really don't know what you're getting out of that. Yeah, that's totally fair. I I could understand that. I, I'm going to go with one that I I just said a minute ago could be the number one in this class from his position. But Devonta Smith could be a bust if he if he can't figure out how to make his size work in the NFL. Obviously, when you come from a school like Alabama, it's pretty easy to be moved around um, when the talent around you is is immense. But we're talking Devonta Smith going to the Philadelphia Eagles, who really have nothing else in their offense. Um, Devonta Smith, to me, is a guy that he gets hit the wrong way one time across the middle of the field. With his frame, you could see that being the end of him. Um, and we all know that it's happened in the past, but guys get get a big lick, and all of a sudden they're timid going over the middle of the field. And I think at his size, he's going to have to be a guy that thrives in the middle of the field, similar to the way Marvin Harrison did. Um, and if he can't figure that out, he could he could be in for a long career here. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to go with Elijah Moore here. Um, once again, small. Um, going into the Jets offense, not really sure how he's going to be used. He may he may take a backseat to Crowder. It all depends. Um, I don't see that happening, but he could. Um, not sure how Zach Wilson's going to pan out or anything else. So Elijah Moore could end up being a first-round bust. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that one as well. But another one to me that I, I can't believe nobody else hit on, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked here, you both were much higher on him coming into the draft process than I was. Um, and, again, his name just eluded me again. I couldn't tell you any other day. Javante Williams. Javante Williams. I'm glad both of you knew who I was talking about because he could be a bust. Uh, Javante Williams went to North Carolina, part of a two-headed monster in North Carolina with him and Michael Carter. And now he's coming into a Denver team that, listen, if he gets Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback for the next couple of years, I wouldn't say this. But if Drew Locke stays his quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater stays his quarterback, you, you don't have to respect the passing game there. You're going to have to respect the run game. And and you're in a division with fairly decent, decent defense. You know, the Chargers are no slouch up front. The Ch- uh, Chiefs are no slouch up front. There, there could be, you know, lack of running lanes for these guys. And Denver's another team that, 
there for a long time. They brought running backs in. They made them out to be something huge. They went elsewhere and they were nobody. But I think we're past those days. Um, obviously, if you can get 1,000 yards out of Phillip Lindsay, you should be able to get 1,000 yards out of Javonta Williams. But I am a little more nervous on him than I am a lot of other of these running backs that were taken in decent spots because there's not very many of them. Um, but but I think he could just be a guy that, that – I, I don't know if he has it when it comes to the NFL. Obviously, you guys did more research on him than I did because I didn't like him coming out. But I could see him potentially being a bust. I could. Um, you know, the draft capital was there to where he shouldn't be. Um, but, again, Melvin Gordon's there. Melvin Gordon re-signs even a two-year deal and is still Melvin Gordon how he was in Los Angeles. That keeps Javonta Williams at bay. If Teddy Bridgewater is a starting quarterback, I could also see a lot of checkdowns from Melvin sure. Gordon and Javante sure. Williams. So you might have some easy production right there. Yeah, anytime you get a running back who catches the ball, it's in in PPR leagues anyway. It it, it immediately makes it so they're not busts. And, and Javante Williams, again, you guys did more research on him than I did. He he catches the ball fairly well, I assume, out of the backfield. Um, so yes, I, I I could see that. And and again, I maybe I'm just being hard on him because I don't like him very much, um, which is possible. Um, one last thing I want to do to wrap the episode up, if you guys are cool with it, is let's talk about a guy we left off the top 30 that you could see come in and have some kind of role and, and be productive. And I'll start us off because I just threw this you guys on the guys on the spotlight. It is Chuba Hubbard for me. Uh, Chuba Hubbard led FBS in 2019 or the 2020 season, 1920 season. He had 2,000 yards from the line of scrimmage. Came out this year injured, didn't utilize him the same way they had the year before. And he sat out half the season. And I know that's why his draft stock fell. If he come out and was as productive as he was the year prior, he probably would have been a top three running back off the board. May have went into a better landing spot. Obviously, it's gross being behind Christian McCaffrey. But we do know Christian McCaffrey is prone to injuries at this point. Christian McCaffrey is the entire offense, at, at least in the past. I don't know if it'll stay that way with Joe Brady. He didn't have him much. Um, but I, I, I do see there's a, there's a, a possibility for – uh, Chuba Hubbard to come in and have a role, even if they're just trying to keep miles off of Christian McCaffrey. We saw the role that Mike Davis played last year when Christian McCaffrey was out. Yeah. So Chuba Hubbard could fill that role this yeah. year if something similar were to happen. Absolutely. My guy is uh, Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, Tennessee, he could slide right into that Corey Davis role. Um, they had Josh, they added Josh Reynolds this offseason, who's never really stepped up and been as productive. So I think Des Fitzpatrick uh, could have the opportunity to just slide right into that role. One guy, I don't know why I love him, but I do. I like Jamie Newman. Uh, he was highly touted coming out of college, sitting out, kind of hurt his draft status. Mm -hmm. But the Eagles are just wide open with running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks. He's going to pass Joe Flacco, like, right away. <laughs> and we really don't know what the new coaching staff think of, thinks of Jalen Hurts. So I really like Jamie Newman. Yeah, I definitely, again, we've seen it in the past. Undrafted quarterbacks have a bigger role than they used to. Um, I think I speak for both Walker and myself. Urish, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you had a good time. Hopefully you come back again this year and you want to help us with some more mock drafts, some other stuff, maybe even get you on for some ranking shows if you're up for it. Um, and as always, stay hungry. And stay fat, my friends. <laughs>